Right now in Milwaukee, temperatures are hovering around and below zero degrees. The roads are treacherously icy. And a collective plea echoes through the city, urging people to stay home unless absolutely necessary. As a dog parent, navigating these frigid conditions adds an extra layer of challenge. So as I regrettably ventured out in the cold with my furry companions, one thing was on my mind. Thank God we have Monday off. That way I can enjoy the winter from a safe distance watching Fargo. And then a second thought began to lurk. Did I know how and why? The third Monday of January became a federal holiday. This is Uniquely Milwaukee. It's everything you love about community stories, but more in depth. Giving the stories the time and attention they deserve. Changing perspective one episode at a time. I'm your host, Salam Fathayed, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee. Stories that stick with you. I'm a 90s kid, and throughout most of my education, my history textbooks often presented simplistic, one-dimensional interpretations of American history. And that included the most adored civil rights icon in American history, Martin Luther King Jr. My curriculum reduced King's legacy to a speech, and sometimes just four words. I have a dream. And now, in some states and some schools, critical race theory has come under scrutiny with efforts to limit its teachings. There's a website that covers state policy named Education Week that presented a map revealing trends since January 2021. 44 states have introduced bills or taken actions to restrict the teachings of critical race theory, including Wisconsin. In 2022, the Wisconsin Senate, led by Republicans, passed a bill aiming to prohibit the teaching of the harms of racism in our state's K-12 schools. Governor Tony Evers, however, vetoed the bill. So in a time where the understanding of American racism has shaped public policy, where does that leave the education of Martin Luther King Jr. in 2024? And how did I go so long without knowing that this holiday wasn't recognized and fully celebrated in all 50 states until 2000. And what does Stevie Wonder have to do with it? Historical context is needed, so on this episode of Uniquely Walkie, I'm doing things a bit differently and doing a narrative episode. To begin, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday falls on January 15th, 1929, which is why it's the second federal holiday of every calendar year. His father, a church pastor, greatly influenced him, particularly through his courageous stance against segregation. In 1936, King's father took a significant step by leading a march of several hundred African-Americans to Atlanta's City Hall, protesting against voting rights discrimination. The early exposure to activism and the fight for civil rights profoundly shaped Martin Luther King Jr.'s perspective and later his contributions to the movement. He was the member of his high school's debate team and later on graduated with a bachelor's degrees in sociology and went on to get his doctorate in theology at Boston University. After finishing his doctorate, at the prime age of 25, he became a pastor of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. That is when a pivotal moment shaped history. First time you've ridden the Montgomery City bus in how long? This is the first time in more than a year uh, certainly since last December, the 5th of last December, 
What are your comments on this occasion? Well, I think this is a very historic moment. I think it is a great moment for the whole of Montgomery, and it is my only hope that uh, this will continue to grow into a greater harmony and a greater move toward brotherhood. Shortly after King settled in Montgomery, Rosa Parks made history by refusing to give up her seat for a white passenger on a Montgomery bus. This event marked the beginning of a significant chapter in the civil rights movement, with King playing a central role to combat racial segregation and injustice. Starting in 1955, Montgomery's black community staged an extremely successful bus boycott that lasted over a year, a 13-month mass protest that ended with the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that segregation on public buses is unconstitutional. King's arrest and imprisonment as the boycott leader propelled him onto the national stage as a lead figure in the civil rights movement. It was in 1963 when the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, organized by the SCLC working with the NWACP, attracted 250,000 people to rally for the civic and economic rights of Black Americans in the nation's capital. It was there when King delivered the 17-minute I Have a Dream speech. A speech that almost didn't happen. You see, it was a busy day, and King was one of many speakers. His speech was intended to last about five to six minutes, and it was scripted. His advisors even recommended against referring to dreams due to its cliche. But 11 minutes into the speech, King paused for dramatic effect. I say to you today, my friend, And then gospel singer Mahalo Jackson shouted, Tell him about the dream, Martin. And that charged Martin Luther King Jr. to speak from his heart. Today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in... With King and many other activists, the civil rights movement ultimately achieved two victories. One of them being the Civil Rights Act in 1964, a landmark legislation in the United States that aimed to end segregation and discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. This meant desegregating of public facilities such as restaurants and hotels, theaters, public accommodations, and addressing employment discrimination. And later, the Voting Rights Act, banning disenfranchisement of Black Americans. But during the 1960s, King was a divisive figure. A Gallup poll from 1966, just a few years after the marches, asked about his popularity and found his unfavorable rating was 63%. Unfavorable. While Martin Luther King's legacy is now widely celebrated, this wasn't always the case. Through his activism, he faced intense scrutiny from the FBI, with his protests closely monitored. He endured approximately 29 arrests and was even labeled as a communist sympathizer when openly speaking against the U.S. involvement in Vietnam. And even when he was awarded an honorary doctorate from Yale in 1964, it sparked outrage amongst some parents and students. In the spring of 1968, King visited Memphis, Tennessee, to support Black sanitary workers who were on strike. And on April 4th, King was assassinated by James Earl Ray in his Memphis hotel. So when did Americans start to see King as a hero? 
And when did the federal holiday begin to form? Right after the break. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the honor system. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. Despite King's accolades, it took nearly 20 years after his assassination for Martin Luther King Jr. Day to become a federal recognized holiday. And that was because of two major concerns. One being King's political history. And the second was the cost of creating a federal holiday. So how did it happen? Well, in 1979, and if King was alive during that time, he would have been 50 years old. The bill finally came to a vote in the House, even though it had a petition of 300 signatures in support, the backing of President Jimmy Carter and testimonials from King's widow, Coretta Scott King. The bill was rejected by five votes in the House. Republican Missouri Congressman Gene Taylor led the opposition, where he cited the cost of an additional federal holiday. And even though it failed to pass the House, public support for the bill continued to grow. And no small part due to musician Stevie Wonder. The Motown singer and songwriter's 1980 album, Hotter Than July, featured the song Happy Birthday which served as an ode to King's vision and a rallying cry for recognition of his achievements with a national holiday. Wonder continued to spread his message with regular appearances alongside Coretta Scott King at rallies. He also capped a four-month tour with a benefit concert on the National Mall where King delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech 18 years earlier. When the bill made its way back again to the House floor in 1983, 15 years after King's murder, support was overwhelming. Coretta Scott King, the Congressional Black Caucus, and Stevie Wonder amassed a six million signature petition in favor of the holiday. The bill then easily passed in the House with a vote of 338 to 90. However, when the bill moved on to the Senate, Republican North Carolina Senator Jesse Helms attempted to dismiss the legislation by submitting documents alleging that the civil rights leader harbored ties to the Communist Party. Outraged by the personal attack on King's character, Democratic New York Congressman Daniel Patrick Mullihan threw more than a 300-page binder to the ground and stomped on what he described as a packet of filth. After two days of debate, the bill was passed in Senate and President Ronald Reagan reluctantly agreed to sign it into law. I would have preferred an unholiday in King's honor, but since they seem bent on making it a national holiday, I believe the symbolism of that day is important enough that I will sign that legislation when it reaches my desk. That was a direct quote from President Ronald Reagan from October 20th of 1983, but done with an AI voice of Ronald Reagan. Still after that day, it would take 15 years of persistence by civil rights activists for the holiday to be approved by the federal government. And then after that, an additional 17 years for it to be recognized in all 50 states, leading us to the year of 2000. And today, 
It is the only federal holiday designated as a national day of service to encourage all Americans to volunteer and improve their communities. And this weekend, how did you celebrate in Milwaukee? Hi, I'm Kim Shine, Production Manager at Radio Milwaukee. Thank you to our host, Salam Fatayer, Tariq Moody, our Executive Producer, and Brett Kraskowski, who is our Web Editor. Thank you to our marketing team led by Sarah Lahr, our graphics and wonderful logo made by Aaron Bagata. Mallory Wallace is our Community Engagement and Membership Manager, and Dan Reiner and Darren Brewer handle our social media. A big thank you to City Loving members for making Uniquely Milwaukee possible. Tune in next Tuesday for our next episode. 